If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. My subject this morning is weep with those who weep. You know, it doesn't make me a tremendous prophetic influence to say that the reasons to become concerned or troubled over the past five months have been many. Between COVID-19, the impact of that, so many have lost jobs or had their jobs reduced in significant ways. There's just this general sense of uncertainty about being safe or being in a place that people can proceed from. There's been surrounding so many public events, so much social unrest, and much conversation regarding injustice after certain events have happened related to people like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake. And then there's this little tiny out-of-the-way thing called the election in November that has just caused not much in the way of... uh, chatter. Nothing about any of this has been balanced. None of it. And certainly nothing about any of this has been civil. And from what I see, it's not just that many people are anxious or afraid. When I look at some of these things and I see some of the recordings and I look at people who are reacting, what I see is people who are hurting. And it's in times like this that I often pause and wonder, how are we as Christians following what the Bible says supposed to respond? Not just how we respond on the public stage and definitely not just how we respond on social media, but how are we supposed to respond when we see someone hurting? Now, I've never been fond of, nor will I ever be fond of, proclaiming political views from the pulpit. I just don't believe that's what the pulpit is for. I will never tell anyone how they should vote. That's between you and God. I will never tell anyone that they're only a Christian if they vote a certain way. Again, that's also between you and God. And I will never tell anyone or make anyone feel bad for any position they hold. Now, there's balance there as well. Lines can be crossed. But on the whole, that is where I stand. I'm not in the business of criticizing people. Whether it be a public figure, especially if it's a public figure, I feel, who has tremendously earned criticism. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to criticize other Christians. I'm not going to criticize the church as a whole or other church groups, because I've never seen how criticism solves any problem or moves anybody toward a godly goal. But then we have this reality of what's going on in our world, what's going on in our nation, what's going on in our communities. So what are we supposed to do when we see all this unrest? What are we supposed to do when we see literally chaos around us and what are we supposed to do when not that we and not just that we see a divided nation, but I see a divided church. When good, committed Christian people 
not, don't just have a slightly different take on a particular item, but they are looking at something completely different than other Christians. And because of it, find it difficult or hard or nearly impossible to be in the same room together, let alone fellowship together. So what do we do? So glad you asked. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, beat him up. Oh, no, wait, I misread that. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, my subject this morning is weep with those who weep. This passage begins primarily with Paul talking about love in verse 9. Now, the problem we face as believers in Jesus is that our society, our culture as a whole, believes that love is primarily a feeling. When it's not, it's an action. It's meeting the needs of someone. It's sacrificing personally for someone else and doing for others, expecting nothing in return. So Paul opens up by saying love should be without hypocrisy. Now that, that Greek word there for hypocrisy literally means or was used as a label for the mask an actor would wear in a performance. The church coming to the house of God should not be a performance. Now, I know people always want to put their best foot forward, and I'm all for excellence. But when the image we project is truly a cover-up for the reality going on in our lives, that's a mask. The notion that unless I have the mask on, no one would love me. Unless I have the mask on, no one will respect me. Unless I have the mask on, no one will accept me. That's not a safe place. And we need to be a church. The church needs to be a church where it's safe to take the masks off. We are called to be, in verse 10, kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Most of what I'm going to say today is not about how we interact with the world. It's how we interact with one another in the body of Christ 
we are family. God declared, God declares that one gauge of our walk, the depth of our walk, the maturity of our walk, is how well we love one another, how well we love his people. Because 1 John 4 says you can't love God and hate your brother. You can't love God and look down on your sister. Just like the gauge of an oil tank lets you know how much oil is truly in the tank, the love we extend to one another becomes a sort of a gauge of how much of God's love is in our hearts. Paul goes on to provide guidelines for this love. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, steadfast in prayer, meeting the needs of others, given to hospitality. These are all wonderful things. And I can imagine the church at Rome sitting and hearing this letter being written and giving a hearty amen, even to the patient in tribulation part. But then, just as Paul was really writing wonderful stuff, getting amens, he goes off the rails. In verse 14, when he says, bless those who persecute you. Hmm. You know, Paul, you had me there for a minute. Now, it's not just bless those who hate you. It's not just bless those who won't give you the time of day. It's bless those who come after you. Bless those who pursue you to cause problems. Bless those who slander your reputation, who talk behind your back, who lie about you. Bless and don't curse them. It is here, after stating this command, that we're given what he says in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I want to stay in context. Staying within the context of this passage, if those who are persecuting me experience something wonderful in their lives, I'm commanded by scripture to rejoice with them. If someone gets this wonderful car that I don't think they deserve, I'm to rejoice with them, not wish they run that car into a tree. I know none of you would ever think that way. If someone who has been a real pain at work to you gets a promotion, rejoice with them. If someone who goes out of your, their way to irritate you, one of their children gets a scholarship to a college, rejoice with them. Hmm. If the most annoying, annoying person you know has something good happen in their lives, Rejoice with them. And notice it doesn't just say rejoice. It says rejoice with them. But Lord, I'd much rather rejoice from a safe distance. Even when you can't understand why in the world are blessings falling upon this person, they are, and you realize they are blessings, we are commanded as God's people because we have God's power and God's spirit in our lives to rejoice with them. Now, that can seem difficult, but doable. The next part even seems more difficult. Because Paul doesn't stop there. Weep with those who weep. Notice it doesn't say, weep with those who weep, if the reason why they're weeping is justified. It doesn't say, 
Weep with those who weep. Uh, it doesn't say first assess so that you can see if there's a good reason for the weeping. If my brother, if my sister in the faith is weeping, if my brother or my sister in the faith is hurting, that's all the information I need to be able to come alongside them and weep with them. Now, we, as, even as believers, part of the family of God, may have different views on various events that happen in the public square. And when you and I see someone attacked or someone killed or, or someone treated unfairly, we may disagree on how to frame the public narrative, especially when the information that comes is so inconsistent. But if my brother, if my sister is weeping, I need to weep with them. If my brother, if my sister is consumed with enough fear in this current society that that fear brings them to tears, I need to embrace them right where they are. Because this isn't about issues. This isn't about politics. This isn't about red or blue or Democrat or Republican. This is about people, people who, like you and I, were also created in the image of Almighty God. We rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I've often seen Christians, we get ourselves into trouble when we raise our opinion or we raise our viewpoint above the value of our family. Or think that the value of our wisdom is greater than the value of one of God's creations. But verse 16 says, no, don't don't go there. You see, you and I are called to live in harmony. Or the, the word that's used here is peace. And some of that peace will always depend on you and me. Now, I've heard many people say, in trying to explain verse 18, where he says, as far as it depends on you. I've heard many people say, well, I tried, but they got to the end of my nerves. They got to the end of my patience. So you couldn't depend on me anymore. And I just had to take them out. I don't need to be a Bible scholar to let you know that's not what that means. It doesn't mean that I should be patient or loving for as long as I can. What Paul is saying is as much as depends upon you and me. If there's a relationship and it's going to experience a breach, if it's going to experience a divide, it's not going to be because of anything I said or anything I did. As far as depends upon me, we're going to be good. If there is a breach, it's going to be on the other person. If after all of my efforts to build a caring, loving, godly Christian relationship... If you still have a problem with me, that's on you, not on me. But what if I continue to love those who hate it, who who have it out for me, those who don't like me, and they just don't change? What should I do at that point? Well, while we can have a healthy discussion about what to do, Paul makes it clear in this passage what not to do. And that's not avenge yourself. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Trust me, they're in much more need of prayer if God's going to be the one repaying vengeance than if you and I are the ones doing it. 
So he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Now, this church is filled with amazing cooks. So it would almost benefit someone to get on some of our bad sides. Because then if they're hungry, they get to experience some amazing food, most of it Italian. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. I don't see anywhere in that passage, anywhere even in the overall theme of the words that as you feed them, you give them a piece of your mind. Just feed them. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to drink. If your enemy has a need, you be the one. I be the one. God's people be the one to fulfill it. This passage makes it clear that it is not our attitudes that will overcome evil. It is not what gets us that's going to be able to overcome. You and I being fed up with things won't make things right. Verse 21 says only good can conquer evil. Besides, the Bible says that when we do good to those people who are doing evil to us, God gets involved. Where do you think those coals come from? God gets involved. You ever have someone who is being not nice to you and you're nice to them? This happens to me only once. A person turned to me and said, you know, I want to be mean to you, but it's so hard. <laughs> Hallelujah, church. Let's make it difficult for people to be mean to us. Rather than, well, they had it coming, so here it goes. Weep with those who weep. You know, when I talk with my fellow Church of God pastors and just other ministers I know, that minister and lead churches in New York City. And yes, predominantly all of them are African American or black churches in general. When I listen to their voices, when I see their social media posts, when I just stop talking and listen, I hear pain. As they echo what their people are feeling. That isn't the time for me to give them what I think is the right way to go. It's not the time for me to judge them. It definitely isn't the time for me to encourage political views. It's for me to weep with them. When someone in your life is fearful, when they're hurting, when they have lost someone, when they have experienced injustice, weep with them. If for no other reason, because the Bible says so. I have probably will never have any issue consoling someone at a funeral. My mother died 32 years ago, and it still hurts. It still bothers me. That's why that passage from Ecclesiastes is so important to me that at the end of the entire book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, this is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
Because ultimately, what you and I think doesn't matter. What you and I, if, if what I wanted to happen in life mattered, my mom would still be here. But what matters is having this awesome respect for the God who created everything. And when he says something in his word, I'm to do it. So I have no issue consoling someone who's lost a parent. I have no problem consoling someone who's lost a sibling, as my brother Mark died 16 years ago at the ripe old age of 39. When people are rejoicing, we need to be glad that God has shown himself real and God has shown himself powerful and God has shown himself present in this day today by pouring into their lives. Even if he's pouring into their lives, what you wished he'd pour into ours. Rejoice with those who rejoice. When people are hurting, we need to gain the ability to hurt with them. Now, this is difficult enough for many in having that level of compassion and empathy for the ungodly people in the world. But again, this is a letter to the church. The book of Romans was addressed to the churches that were situated in Rome. So the best place for us to learn this is among God's family. Now, again, I have my, my specific positions on a lot of things. I feel a lot of things about a lot of things. But at the top of that, if you're God's son or daughter, then you're my brother or sister. And we're family. Now, I know God's family sometimes acts like family, and you all know what that means. But the best place to start is weeping with my brothers and sisters, even when I'm not going through the same things they are. As a church here in St. James, we're not experiencing any of the things, let's say, my brother, Hugh Nelson, is experiencing pastoring a church in East Flatbush. He has a very different set of issues to deal with. My cousins pastor a church in the Bronx. They're dealing with a whole lot more difficult issues than I am. And they're multiplied beyond dealing with them to begin with. So we weep with them. I don't judge them. I don't say, well, if you voted this way or that way, that's not what this is about. This is about the family of God coming together. This is about the family of God being loving toward one another. This is about the family of God being family, being the extension of God's heart and God's love and God's presence in a world that wants to divide any way it can. It's not just that I've seen so much division over the past year or so in our world. I've never seen so many efforts to divide. And I believe for the most part the church is taking the bait. And we are divided. So when something happens and I may have a different narrative around the events occurring on whatever the event is, but when it comes to the actual people for whom 
for them, pain has been increased or fear has been increased. Even though we're supposed to practice social distancing, I'd say, let me hug you. Let me weep with you. Let me pray with you that God will move in a way that brings you peace. I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to look to hurt them in any way. They're already hurting. I struggled all week with this message. Mainly because I was trying to preach something else. And God said, no, this. I said, but God, I don't want to preach this. <laughs> okay, I'll do as you ask. Mainly because it's the word of God. As some would say, but if you didn't feel like preaching it, and you preached it anyway, isn't that hypocrisy? Again, I need to not let us be have, to, have hypocrisy define the way the world does. How many of you, when your children were school age, made them go to school? Did they always want to go to school? Did that make you a hypocrite? It made you a responsible and mature parent. How many of you, when you get up for work in the morning, say, great, I can't wait to get to work? Some people, okay. But most are like, "Uh, it's work. But you go to work anyway, right? Does that make you a hypocrite? It makes you a mature adult. Hypocrisy is not going against your feelings. Oftentimes, that means you're mature, and you're grown up in the Lord, and you have a faith that's deeper than your emotions. Hypocrisy would be doing something so that you could be seen by other people and have them see you one way when the reality is you're nothing like that at all. That's hypocrisy. That's what the Pharisees were guilty of. But when we love, even when we don't understand, when we love, even when we can't relate, that's not hypocrisy. That's the gospel. And that's where we as God's people need to be. So I'm grateful that I listened to the Lord and did what I was told. And hopefully y'all still love me. Because that's what this is about. Dealing with difficult things. Now again, I'm never going to tell anyone how to vote and nor am I ever going to let anyone get behind this pulpit as long as I'm pastor and tell you how to vote. Because that's something you have to settle on. But what you do in the voting booth does not have to translate into how you love people. How you love one another. Because we're different. I mean, we've got similarities in this church, many of them. That's why we've all kind of been drawn here. But we're different. I mean, I've been able to experience it. All of you make tremendous spaghetti sauce. But you all make it differently. I can taste it. Now, if I asked each one of you, you would tell me, well, my way is the right way. Or this way is the right way. You know what? It's spaghetti sauce. To me, it all tastes wonderful. So you might differ on that. The only thing you come to agreement on is about spaghetti sauce from a jar. We won't talk about that. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) Rejoice with those 
who rejoice. I just look at the news sometimes, and I see some of the posts from other believers I know, and I see hurting. So for me to respond with a, a comment that is meant to cut or that cuts, whether it's meant to or not, I want to rush out to them and say, you're my brother, you're my sister, I hurt with you. I weep with you. That will be a message to the world. John 13, 35. This is how men will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Not just how you love the world, but how we love one another. Stand with me, please. Father, we praise you today. We glorify your name. Father, move in our midst. I'm not even going to say move in our nation. Lord, move in your church. Help us to love one another. Help us to embrace one another. Help us to offer shoulders that others can cry on. Even when we don't understand why they're crying. And especially since. Lord, we love you. Lord, we need you. And we need one another. I need the people of God. I need the body of Christ. I need my brothers and sisters of like faith. Hallelujah, Lord God. Father, we praise you in this moment and ask you to speak to us. Ask you to speak to our hearts. Move through our midst, Lord God. We just are your humble servants in your presence. Hallelujah. 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 We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Sing that again with me. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know 
We are Christians by our love. By our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we praise you in this place. We glorify your name. We thank you for the family of God. We thank you for the, the different people that you bring into your family. Lord, move powerfully in our midst today that we might sense your presence and draw near to you and connect with you in such a way that we would be able to be channels of your love, channels of your grace, channels of your comfort and consolation to a hurting world. Lord, by first being all those things to a hurting church. Lord, help us. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep and to overcome evil with good. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. We thank you for the word that you inspired in my heart let it go deep within us as we travel here and there throughout this week. Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.